Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm Jared Weiss, your I'm Jared Weich, your host. As always, I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. It's great. Actually, it's excellent. It's an honor, a privilege to be here with you tonight, Jared. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you were able to get my name right on the first strike because I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no Chris this week, so it's just the two of us. Um, quite a bit of news to get through. We got PlayStation news, we got Xbox news, we got announcements of things, uh, partnerships that we didn't see coming, partnerships that we hoped we wouldn't see coming, plenty of stuff to talk about. Let's start off with this Take-Two business. So, in Take-Two's SEC filings, they it was unveiled that they will spend twice as much on marketing in fiscal year 2024, which runs from April 2023 to March 2024. And the last time that this happened, it correctly anticipated Red Dead Redemption 2's release. The last time there was a little blip on the radar of, whoa, they're spending way more on marketing at this point uh, in time than they had been in the past. Obviously, people are like, oh, it's probably a new, the new Red Dead gamer, GTA or something, right? And it ended up nailing it on the head and it ended up being exactly when Red Dead Redemption 2 was coming out. And now we have the same thing happening with GTA 6 being the next game in line. And, you know, the first speculation, Dom, was that, oh, so that 100% means GTA 6 is coming out between this time period, or at least they're aiming for that, right? Because we don't know four years down the line what exactly is going to happen three years down the line. But then Take-Two responded, and they were like, yo, this speculation of GTA 6 coming out at this time, it's not happening. This marketing budget is for third-party commitments. But then that led people to scratch in their head of like, why... You've had third-party commitments in the past. Why all of a sudden would it double your budget? So most people are assuming now that you know they're kind of saying this is a no-go because they don't want people to automatically make assumptions as to when GTA 6 is coming out, right? They still want that reveal. They still want to be able to maneuver it depending because they don't know it's going to come out at that point. Um, what do you think? Should we read into these filings like they had before because it nailed Red Dead Redemption 2? Or do you think that Take-Two isn't lying here and it is these third-party commitments that are ballooning their marketing uh, to be twice of what it normally is on a year-to-year basis. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, it could, it, I could see either, to be honest. it's so That's so far away. So, like, whenever you're roadmapping that far out, it's, like, it's obviously not meant for anyone else to see because it's so tentative, uh, you know what I mean? So even if that is the, the projection and, the, you know, if GTA 6 is the reason, that they're projecting to spend that marketing money, then um, it, it's still so tentative that like it could be another year after that or two years after that. Um, that's just so far away, and it's that it's it might as well be not a good rumor. You know what I mean? Even if it is true, like the report of it, it it's so far away that it, like it might not end up being true anyway. Maybe it's true right now, but it, it's you know what I mean it it could be different anyway. Well, yeah, the rumor is based on the assumption of the numbers, right? Because last time people looked at the numbers, they were able to predict that Red Dead was coming out and then ended up coming to fruition. So the rumors are solely based on the fact that, oh, there's this blip. That means this is GTA 6. The thing we also have to understand is that this is doubling Take-Two's marketing, which even before it's doubled, is probably drastically huge, right? It's a lot of money they put into their marketing because they are one of the world's biggest publishers when it comes to video games. Um, So... Doubling it means that whether it's third-party commitments or not, it has there has to be something happening around that time that they're going to push that much marketing, right? Whether it's 
you know, Bioshock and something else like multiple titles, they're going to be putting a lot of marketing behind, or it's the one mega marketing thing with GTA. Something's happening in that year. The assumption is it's a GTA six, but at the end of the day, the way they're pushing this, it's going to be something right. Cause they're not just going to double their marketing for no reason. And I doubt they're going to be spending twice their budget on third-party commitments unless it's something big, right? You'd assume. Or multiple things that are relatively big. So, loop me in on this, though, because what what the heck would third-party commitments mean for them exactly? I would assume maybe uh, optioning out some of their IPs that they don't have studios to work on them to other places, right? Like, maybe they made the new studio for Bioshock, so that one doesn't work. And it's hard for me to think of other IPs that Take-Two owns. But say, for instance, there was like a Borderlands spinoff, right? Uh, they could maybe give that to a studio they don't own. So then when they're marketing it, it is technically a third-party marketing partnership. Or maybe they're going to be – I don't know. Now, now that I'm thinking about you know? it, it would third-party yeah. commitments wouldn't necessarily be things that they're not – it would be things they're not publishing, right? That, that's what I, I don't – I'm not fully understanding. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that either. And I obviously, I ripped this straight from the reports. I don't, I don't understand either, unless it is that weird muddy wording of like, they consider it third party, but if we were to talk about it and get the information, we would be like, oh, that's a second party partnership. You know what I mean? So maybe they are publishing stuff, but they consider it third party because it isn't wholly owned theirs. I don't know. Um, it was just an interesting story because it shows that there is a blip in the radar. Remember, we also found out that they're going to be releasing, what, 93 games in the next five years? which is kind of crazy 63 core titles 27 mid core and some other mobile stuff so they have a lot going on um, crazy weird categorization they gave those games <laughs> yeah mid core uh, <laughs> it's just cool that we have if this is to be believed we have a relative timeline of when we should expect gta 6 and thinking about it like fall 2023 would be 10 years after gta 5's release right which is kind of crazy um, so it makes sense, but who knows? Things can change, especially in the current situation we're in. That game could be pushed forward, pushed back. Who knows? So 10 years after GTA five and then what? Five years after red dead two. So yeah. yeah, that seems a good projection. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we have some more sales news. I didn't want to get into all of the MPD stuff this month. Cause there was a lot of other news this week. Um, but the most interesting part of the MPD, I thought was that April saw all three major consoles break their April sales records, period. So we had the Switch sell 808,000 units in the month of April, which broke the Wii's all-time best April as well, which is impressive because the Wii sold like crazy. Uh, PS4 sold 411,000 consoles, which I think is impressive because that console's already sold so much. To find another 411,000 sales on it in one month is awesome. And lastly, the Xbox One sold 379,000 units, which a console on its dying legs that was the least selling of the bunch this generation for them to even get those sales is impressive. So all three of them came out on top. It was great for all of them. Obviously, Nintendo doubling even PlayStation is insane, but you know people want to get those Switches and they're selling out like hotcakes. And that's the thing too. I, I'm wondering if because Switch doesn't have something on the horizon, people are more willing to get the switch on top of you know being family friendly and having awesome games ps4 and xbox are both staring down the next generation right so with that to even have them sell almost half a million a piece is pretty cool yeah because there's been a, a shortage of switches in the past yeah. what 
few months at least, right? So it's because you follow um, Wario64, who usually tweets deals, right, when there's discounts on stuff. But lately, he's been tweeting, oh, you can get a Switch at regular price every time it's, it's available. available. <laughs> but only yeah. for a few hours, and then they're gone, right? <laughs> well, and then they're getting targeted by the sale bots, right, that, that pick them oh, up, right. and then they retry to resell them, and Amazon's kind of been cracking down on that. But, yeah, I just thought it was cool that all of them saw really awesome sales numbers there. Um Good the MPD went on to state that, like, you know, video game sales were off the charts as well, which isn't surprising when you have console selling like that. Obviously, the software is going to follow along. Uh, next up, we had some events get announced and happen. So first up, we have the Wholesome Direct that occurred. This is something we talked about maybe a couple of weeks to a month ago when it was announced. And it ended up happening. It was 37 minutes, uh, which featured 50 adorable and joyous games. Ooblets was in it. Spirit Fair, which is my one of my favorite games from xbox e3 2019 it's the one where you're on a ship with these other animals and you're taking them to their locations to pass on to the spirit realm or whatever very like deep depressing game beautiful gorgeous aesthetic but yeah uh, i haven't watched the entire thing yet but if you want to check it out it's a lot of like it says wholesome direct it's a wholesome uh collection of these indie games that are cute and adorable and light-spirited and kind of the stuff you want to see these days with everything going on in the world currently. Um, and the beauty of it being 50 games is not all of those games are going to speak to you individually, but if you're into at least one of them, it's a win, right? Uh, and we've talked about that before, right, Dom, of like the, the setup of a conference or a direct, they're not making these for all games featured in them to talk to one specific person. Their hope is that a number of the games speak to people but not all of them because they want to try to hit all audiences and demographics, right? So try to find something you enjoy in that direct. Even then, it's like cute music and it's really uplifting and something neat to watch. So uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. I doubt it. But um, no. anybody out there, if you want to check out some really cool, wholesome indie games, check it out. Next up, something I'm happy about. And uh, this will lead me to a discussion I want to have with you about WB Montreal, uh, Dom. Uh, Marvel's Avengers, we've been wondering, uh, especially me, is this game still coming out in 2020? What's happening? Where's the information? We haven't heard it talked about, yada, yada, yada. Well, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics specifically uploaded this video. It's about a minute long, and it starts off with these really funny... Uh, they know exactly what's happening, right? Like, they, they understand that people are asking questions about this game. Is it delayed or not? And there was tweets at the beginning of the video of, like, what happened to Marvel's Avengers? Is this game still coming out this year? You know, they, they understand the audience and they want their questions answered. And then it followed up with the developers talking about them working on the game in, in uh, you know, isolation and quarantine. And they announced that there's going to be a war table stream happening on June 24th. Um, my assumption is that if the game were to get delayed at this point, I don't think they'd announce a stream and then wait for the stream to delay the game, right? So them having the stream makes me assume that it's still coming out this year. They said there's going to be gameplay featured, which I think is a big question for people. We've seen snippets of it, but people are still waiting for that extended gameplay segment to sell them on the game, right? So I'm pretty stoked about this. The thing I wanted to talk to you about, this specifically also, how do you feel about them doing the stream? And are you curious about the gameplay as well? Because they have doubled down on the idea that you don't need to play this multiplayer. It will still be a satisfying single player experience, which is very specific to your interests in video games. And do you think WB Montreal should could learn from this of like 
understand your audience and when you come out with your announcement poke fun at yourself for handling it so poorly like you know uh, square enix did what do you think <clears throat> yeah that's that's probably a good thing to be aware um of what everyone's saying and aware of your own image uh right that's going to help you message things properly so um hopefully yeah like wb montreal is uh yeah taking notes on that because people are kind of like guys thanks for uh, the brief teases <laughs> yeah it, but it's it's not done quite right and people are kind of getting upset about it at that point so yeah hopefully uh they, they take a note from from this but um and especially because and maybe i'm wrong on this but there were at one point um rumors or like speculation that you know that next batman game or, or whatever we assume it is is going to be uh, a game as a service type of game too or some kind of like co-op or multiplayer heavy component right so which is the same kind of thing that um that was Square one is. of the rumored or canceled projects so there was suicide squad then there was the batman game starring damian wayne right and i don't remember if that one was the one that was going to feature like the bat family and stuff okay. because the new one the new one is the court of owls thing and i don't know if the multiplayer stuff was attached to that or if right. it was attached to the damian wayne game where you're riding on the bat cycle so may, okay, so maybe at one point there was some kind of multiplayer DC <laughs> yeah. game out there, but there's no real reason to think that uh, this Court of Owls game is that. Uh, okay, yeah. but uh, either way, no, yeah, you make a good point that uh, WB should take some should take some notes or whatever. Montreal should take some notes from this, and because um, yeah, it was it's been a year since like last E3, right when we when we first saw and last saw this Avengers game. So and, and no, people, that's people, not. That's not no. entirely correct. We had that thing in like September or October where they did the Miss Marvel video where they show that she was going to be one of the primary characters. That came out after E3. Mm. Okay. And yeah, here's me showing my Marvel ignorance. Miss Marvel is not Captain Marvel, right? That's she's she's a young girl who gets imbued with powers who's inspired by Captain Marvel. So that's why she names herself Miss Marvel. Okay. And then gotcha. here's another question because I think I know who you're talking about. She is uh from the middle east yeah i believe okay. she's pakistani but i could be wrong about that um yeah she, she's definitely from the middle east yeah okay which and the whole thing with the game real quick is that the a-day event that happens at the beginning of the game right with the whole terrorist attack she's on that ship and she gets exposed to the smoke stuff I forgot that I think it's called Terrigen Mist, which is like a comic book thing, obviously. It's that smoke that appears, and that's what gives her the powers, which is the same in the comic, right? So okay. people assume from that that Captain Marvel must be in the game to some extent as well, because how would she name herself Miss Marvel if Captain Marvel wasn't in the game? And you see her origin, you know? So there's little teases like that of like because of A, that means B, right? So mm -hmm. now yeah, this is a it's I think it's more like this Avengers game is more exciting than anything. Even if you were someone who was kind of like saw that first gameplay and was like, or or I don't think anyone saw it. It was just some select few who got to demo it, right? And a lot of people were kind of like, I don't know about this. It seems maybe shallow or whatever their complaints were. But the big holdup was with the likenesses, right? Everyone felt that it was like discount store <laughs> Avengers because they didn't look like the Marvel counterparts in the MCU. Man. It and that's a shame, and I, and, but I think it's okay because I remember thinking that same thing about uh, the Spider-Man PS4 game that, like, uh, this just the initial trailer is like, ah, it's a new voice for Spider-Man, you know, it's a little different. It's, I don't know, it just feels weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but you get over it so quickly 
assuming it's good because in, in spider-man's case it was good it was great right the the voice acting and like oh yeah it was a new spider-man and like frankly he ranks he's like in that list of like these are the top guys that have played spider-man right and uh and the and funny thing with spider-man playing. is we've already seen three iterations of that character on the screen whereas exactly. a lot of these avengers we've only seen the one yeah so, so t- to me like i get i understand people's initial like weirdness about like ah, that doesn't look like chris evans but it doesn't quite sound like him either what the hell right but i think like you get over that so quickly yeah. and because like we know like the voice cast for this game is like they're great um and it's crystal dynamics and they have a great track record so i i'm not worried about that at all i think people get over it too um but uh the other exciting thing i was going to say is like compare especially compared to dc like we like marvel has just such a like a deep lineup of characters that now so many people are really familiar with right yeah um like the the mainstream is familiar with like hawkeye and just, you know what i mean and, and it's cool that oh maybe they'll introduce everyone to this new miss marvel character which is even cooler right um whereas like you look at the, the dc side and you got we well, got batman and superman and wonder woman they've, they've done a good job of getting her out but like after that it's kind of like yeah they tried to do justice league right but uh so like maybe we maybe like cyborg and the flash would be cool characters and that just didn't work out for them in the same way right um, so well, I, the part of that goes back to the philosophy of like a lot of DC characters outside of Batman feel so overpowered that how do you translate that to a video game? Like, how do you make a Flash mm. game compelling when he can move faster than the speed of light? You know? Yeah. And obviously Superman Marvel has too. characters that can do that. But if you look at the Avengers, they're very powerful, but they're still relatable to normal humans in a way. Uh, mm. And to your point, we're sitting here wondering, yo, WB Montreal Rock City, where are those Batman games? And yet, Marvel, we have Spider-Man, we have uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, oh, yeah. and now we have Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And DC hasn't really put themselves in a position where people... Hardcore fans want non-Batman DC games, do not get me wrong. But the general populace, all they're really wanting from a DC video game is, yo, give me another dope Batman game, you know? Right. Which is kind of unfortunate, but... Yeah, they're just they're in a trickier spot. But yeah, this, this Avengers game, like... I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be excited, that also means there's a lot of pressure on, on Crystal. Oh, for sure. Game, obviously, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see more and, like, see more about what this game is and how it's going to work and what characters are there. Like, I think it's exciting, right? As a, as a consumer, it's exciting to see what they got up their sleeves. Well, and here's the so tough you- thing, right? And stick with me on this. This is uh, an analogy on the fly. Rocksteady, before the Arkham trilogy, no one really knew of that studio as well as they do now, and no one ever expected high-quality Batman games because we just got licensed superhero games, right? In that aspect, Rocksteady was very much coming from a Michael Jordan perspective. When Michael Jordan entered the NBA, no one had the expectations they did for him to be great, right? He just became in many people's opinion, the greatest basketball player of all time, right? But he didn't have that pressure on him from the get-go. He was drafted high, but no one expected him to be as great as he was, right? Crystal Dynamics in this Avengers game is LeBron James. LeBron James came into the NBA with the world's expectations on his shoulders. And everybody is expecting him to be great. And if he doesn't meet that, then he's failed, right? And that's the difference there. Both of them are great. Rocksteady not having expectations and soaring to astounding claim. And now Crystal Dynamics is in this position where, like, yo, you have the Avengers. There's high stakes and expectations yeah, and you need to nail them. Pressure's on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good and point. And that voice cast, we didn't even mention the voice cast is incredible. I know they're the video game voice cast that's in every video game. But, I mean, partially for a reason, they nail what they do. You know, Laura Bailey and Trey Baker and the like. So, I'm curious to see if they get some other really cool names that come in with the DLC characters that we're going to get. And there's some other voice actors that get a 
get into the mix. Um, one of my personal favorites over the years was a- is Ashley Birch, um, yeah. who's phenomenal. Party in Outer Worlds, among a lot of other things. Yeah, Aloy. Uh, I would love her to be a character, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, Avengers has a lot riding on it, and I'm excited for the stream. The fact that they already stated gameplay, I think they know they need to sell people in this game, even though it's Avengers, they need to prove that it's high quality, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. And lastly, uh, in the events category, uh, IGN Summer of Gaming schedule got revealed. Uh, I'm not going to list everything on that thing because it's a lot of stuff. Here's the thing. I'm excited for that schedule. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, Dom, but they're very specific in labeling what's what. Like, oh, this is a gameplay thing. This is a new reveal. This is yada. This is yada, right? Very specific, and I think that's helpful to people because they can look at that list, market themselves of like, I want to tune in for this. I don't care about this. And they don't have to necessarily watch an eight-hour stream, right? You'd hope anyways. The problem with this is this is starting to show the seams in not having an E3-type situation of there's so much going on that you kind of get inundated with choice and why should I care about everything because so much is happening all at once, right? Like looking at the IGN schedule, it's like, oh, this is dope. This is a lot of stuff. But there's so many things that are parsed out individually of like, why is this even happening? And I hate to say that because I think everybody deserves their moment in the sunlight. But I, I, I am, we haven't even hit June yet and I'm already starting to miss E3. And when I say that, I don't necessarily need the SA to come back. I just miss the structure of that, of like, here's a week where we know all the big announcements are happening. I don't know if this is going to work necessarily with all of these consumers because we're paying attention to this stuff. I don't know if everybody will, and I don't know how that's going to play out, you know? Well, I mean, you couldn't be more correct because even people like us, um, and maybe I'll be worse than probably than you, but I'm not going to want, like, I'm going to look at it and like, if I don't care about a specific thing, then I'm not going to watch it at all. You know what I mean? For sure. I'm pretty tuned in. Whereas if it was, if that specific thing was right in the middle of Microsoft's E3 conference, you know, then I would have seen it and maybe it would surprise me and it was something awesome. Right. But here's the thing is that if there's a game that you don't think you're going to like in the middle of an Xbox conference, it might catch you by surprise and you may get interested because you're already watching that conference. Whereas if you hear about that announcement and you're like, that sounds kind of interesting not enough for me to go check it out, <laughs> you know what I mean, exactly. on my own. So kind of being forced to see things uh, helps a lot of these places. And we'll see how it unfolds in the coming weeks. And I do think we will have some kind of structured thing generally next year, whether that's E3 or Keeley teams up with somebody. Um, I, I do think some companies will stick to parlaying their own information. But I do think we'll return to some type of quote-unquote normalcy with a truncated uh, time for announcements. Who knows, though? We'll see. Uh, we have some other news. I'm going to read through all of these. And then at the end, uh, Dom, you can just shoot and let me know if any of them are particularly interesting to you. Uh, first up pyramid head and Heather Mason are coming to dead by daylight in June. If you don't know those names, they are both very popular characters and enemies from the silent Hill franchise. It'll be a DLC package that also includes a new map featuring a middle school. Uh, the middle school that's famous for in silent Hill. Sorry. I'm not a huge Silent Hill guy. Um, But this is leading people to believe that those rumors of Silent Hill returning and showing up on the PS5 stage whenever they reveal games for it. uh, People are like, oh, there's, you know, DLC happening. Uh, The cool note is that this is the first DLC featuring video game horror characters. Because remember, they've been pulling in the Freddies and the Jasons and the Jigsaws and all those, like the movie property villains. So it's cool that they're able to partner now because that game's so successful with video games. Next, 
this is a pretty big one. Uh, the NFL and EA have extended their video game agreement for five years, which will go to 2025. If you didn't know, it was going to end in 2021. Uh, the partnership comes at the expense of $1.5 billion on EA's end. Um, to let you know, this is for simulation games. 2K is still working on arcade-style football games uh, with the NFL property, but it won't be a competitor to Madden. It'll likely be a NBA Playgrounds type of situation. Uh, people want it to be like NFL Street. Personally, what we've seen from Battlegrounds in WWE and Playgrounds in the NBA I wouldn't hold my breath <laughs> that it's anywhere near NFL Street, but who knows. Um, next up, the Witcher franchise has reached 50 million units sold. A uh, couple of quick notes. One of them I forgot to write down, but I remember. Before the release of Witcher 3, the series had only sold 5 million total copies. I say only. That's still a lot of, a lot of games. And in 2017, the series sold 33 million copies total. So to put that into perspective, in the last two and a half years... It sold another 17 million copies in the whole franchise. Obviously, a lot of that was pumped up by the Witcher Netflix series. Uh, really impressive numbers. I'm really interested to see where Cyberpunk goes in the future because that'll be an ongoing franchise for them as well. Next up, reports state an animated Kingdom Hearts game. Reports state that an animated Kingdom Hearts series, produced by Square Enix, is coming to Disney Plus and will feature the original voice actors. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and lastly, according to a report by NPD Connected Intelligence focused on rural America, 31% of U.S. households still don't have access to broadband. I thought this was interesting because we often talk about streaming and where the United States sits at. And we know that it's not in a place where it needs to be, but we've never had concrete numbers. And though these aren't concrete numbers, it's still an interesting study to look at. So out of all of those, you can as many or as few, Dom, what snagged your interest the most oh man i guess the, the witcher numbers are cool 50 million um you know the majority of which being the witcher 3 is pretty cool um but yeah i don't know what else there's not much else to say about it that's just like a i'd like to get you know give an extra set of props to them for that that's pretty cool i, I love that franchise i'm excited to see you know support for the netflix show so we can get more of that and then eventually you know another video game um and we're getting the animated thing on Netflix too, remember? Oh, yeah. It's like a movie, right? Um, it's a prequel featuring uh, the guy everyone wanted Mark Hamill to play. Yeah, Vesemir. Yeah. Vesemir, yeah. Yeah, that should be cool. Um, I guess the EA Madden thing is interesting. Um, you said $1.5 billion it cost them to have that exclusivity for up through 2025, so like five years. Um, yeah. That's expensive. Um, and then you figure each game probably takes millions at least to make, right? Um, but the so money I, they make on Ultimate Team, boy, howdy, do they make a lot on Ultimate Team in Madden. A okay. lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it, it just displays that, that just displays like that model, that business model of like, well, yeah, it makes sense why EA, you know, each, each year the, the new Madden game is like, you know, and this is not this is the perception not I, I don't know but the perception is like each mad, new Madden game is you know a roster update right and a couple new features sprinkled in right um but then you look at well it costs them 1.5 billion just to get the licensing well in this case exclusive licensing to to make these games right so like they gotta 
and then a lot of money to actually build a game. So like they got to make their money back and then it's got to be worth it for all that. Right. So you kind of start to see like from a business point of view, like, yeah, it makes sense why they are kind of penny pinching and uh, maybe greedy um, when you look at it from that perspective. Quick but, math, that means they pay, what, $333 million per year? Yeah, that's a lot. And that's not, that's not even the cost to make the game, right? That's just to have the rights to do it and only or $300 million do it. Per year. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. My, I like Madden. The thing with me, though, that I always drive home, and I think you probably agree, is that competition is best for consumers. So them having the exclusivity doesn't allow other people to – work at it and push them to make sure Madden's worth buying every year. Right. Um, so that, that thing sucks. The fact that it was only for five years. So I think the last time they did it, it was a 10 year deal. I could totally be wrong about that, but I could have, unless I was a star Wars deal 10 years. I can't that remember. was 10 for sure. Star okay. Wars maybe was, that's what I'm thinking but... of. Maybe it is on a five year basis, which would make sense. And you know, NFL's partnered with Xbox. Uh, they haven't seemed to take that away yet. I think it's going to probably continue with Series X, um, which is interesting because there was that time when EA Access was only on Xbox as well. So EA's partnership with the NFL and then both of their partnerships with Xbox has always been this weird, like, circle together. Very odd. Um, yeah, real quick, what do you think about this Kingdom Hearts series? Like, A, wh- where would the hell would it take place in the timeline? And B, would you be interested in watching it? This kind of stuff, I don't like. That being announcements or like, you know, knowing about stuff that is really far away and may not even end up happening. It's like the initial plans, right? That's Square um, Enix's MO, man. <laughs> and, and especially when you're talking about something that involves Square Enix and they got to have some say in this and probably some kind of ownership of it, right? So it just... And those games like take long enough themselves to make. So I, I just, I don't even. This is one like I don't believe it's really good. I'm ever gonna, we're never gonna see it, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, that that's where I'm at with this because I, I don't like hearing about this stuff. This far ahead, the exception being like, uh, Marvel is really good at it, right? Like they have their roadmaps, but like they deliver on it, right? There's not, you know. Uh, yeah, and, have, and the thing, the way they work is you hear about it once. And then you really don't hear about that again unless it's a a tease in a movie they they're putting out or mm-hmm. it's closer to that movie's release date, right? They yeah. don't like update it every year of like, oh, remember this movie's coming out five years from now. They have that initial like, here's our slate, and then the only time they make additional announcements is when they add stuff, but they never do the same announcement over and over. And you know, for this, we're gonna hear again and again, just like the Uncharted movie. Yo, this Kingdom Hearts thing's happening. Uh, my interest in it would be only if. It was a type of cartoon where every episode they go to a new Disney world. That would be dope or like property or whatever. How difficult. Um, I mean, I guess it's a Disney plus show so that they should be able to do that relatively easy. But yeah, my and the thing with me is I know there's plenty of people who like the Kingdom Hearts, like the Final Fantasy original lore stuff with Kingdom Hearts, whereas I'm in it all for the Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it leans more on the Final Fantasy original lore stuff, I'm kind of out for sure. But yeah. we'll see what happens. I'm with you. Like, let me know when this is a concrete thing instead of like right. mold talks in the background. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Show get me into a this. trailer. You know what I mean? The, I want. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear about it until like you have a trailer, kind of a thing, like, right? I wonder how soon we're going to hear about Final Fantasy 16 and how soon that game comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know that. Uh, 
when we're going to hear it, when we're going to see a trailer for this goddamn Uncharted movie. You know, like, just, I don't know. You can't keep everything secret, of course, but I know a lot of people complain that, like, the video game industry is, like, too secretive, but I appreciate that um, because I don't need to hear about all this stuff in the background, especially when it's not going great because early on things change and shift and problems happen and projects change. Like, I don't need to know about it, though. I don't want the disappointment. You know what I mean? (laughs) Ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, let's get into this beefy news now. We got some PS5 stuff. We got some Xbox Series X stuff. We're going to tackle the PS5 stuff because it's more rumor mill, and Xbox actually has some like concrete news that they dropped themselves. So PlayStation 5. We've got some rumblings about an event, and we have some new... I put reveal info, but it's pretty much their layout of what they plan to do this year. Uh, some new information we got via Alana Pierce of Inside Gaming, who is formerly at IGN. So first up, Jason Schreier and Takashi Machizuki of Bloomberg. By the way, this is Jason Schreier's first big scoop at Bloomberg. Congratulations to him. Uh, They basically came out with this story that they worked on together, this scoop that, according to them, Sony is planning a PlayStation 5 game reveal event for next Wednesday, uh, which would be June 3rd when we're recording this. Uh, And then they finish with, gotta include the now standard caveat, plans can change abruptly during a pandemic, but this date is more firm than previous rumors. If you remember, Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat has been talking about this as a date. So for Jason Schreier and Mochizuki from Bloomberg to come out and say this stuff too, it seems all but confirmed at this point. But they threw in that caveat, especially with the current times and some information we'll get into in a bit. You never know what will change with them. In terms of the actual content of the show, Dom, I don't know if you've seen, it's gone anywhere from there's going to be a ton of new games, there's going to be the console reveal, they're not going to do the console reveal, they're going to show some aspects, but they're not going to give the price, and the only confirmed, nothing's confirmed at this point, but the one thing I've seen across the board is that the guarantee is we'll see gameplay of next-gen games running on the PlayStation 5. Other than that, everything else is like, this is happening, no it isn't, this is happening, no it isn't. Um, I guess I want to know from you, June 3rd, does it sound right? We haven't got an official announcement yet, and fr- we record the podcast on Thursdays, for those of you who don't know. Fridays are not days in which companies release uh, news, right? Generally, they don't do that. And Sony uh, is known for dropping news on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so they could do it on a Monday, who knows, whatever. But even then, do you think that they'll hold this till Monday to tell us two days later? And I don't know. I just want to know from you, what are your take on these rumblings of a June 3rd event? I mean, yeah, it feels weird. That's that's really soon, and we still have no official word. So it's kind of hard for me to believe that. But the it's a Schreier scoop, so, I mean, you kind of have to believe it. Uh, and this news broke, for those who don't know, before The Last of Us, which we're not covering this week due to Dom and I being on blackout for the game. The Last of Us State of Play, people were like, oh, maybe it'll be at the end of State of Play of, like, tune in next Wednesday or whatever, right? And that didn't happen. Um, so... Yeah, it's yeah. it's odd. I'm excited for it. Uh, I obviously I lean Xbox, but that doesn't mean I'm not stoked for a bunch of PlayStation games. Also, the, the joke that was made at the Xbox Inside Xbox thing of like they're going to be showing off a bunch of PS5 third party titles, which is true. It is funny. Uh, same things here. Ghost There's going to be third party titles that are going to be available on Xbox. So oh, even yeah. if you're an Xbox guy, tune in and check it out. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff came up afterwards, though. Like I said, with Alana Pierce, she appeared on Kind of Funny's. Uh, game kind of funny is kind of funny games daily which is their weekly uh new show that happens every well 
daily during the weekdays because <laughs> they don't do a Saturday and Sunday. Mm. Weekday. Uh, I don't know how you'd word that specifically. Every single weekday, I guess. Uh, and they talk about the latest video game news. She was on there as a co-host, and she had some stuff to talk about. She's not necessarily a journalist anymore. I mean, she writes for Inside Gaming, and they cover news stories, but she has a lot of connections in the industry, especially from her time working at IGN and the years before that. She's very connected. She has a lot of developer friends, and, you know, she's very funny, too, and ca uh, casual about when she breaks this stuff because she's just like, yeah, conversation, whatever. Anyways, in that episode, they were talking about the PS5 event rumors, and she discussed several things, including that developers relate to her that Sony had several smaller events planned, but canned them due to complications of presenting a professional showcase due to COVID-19 issues. So basically, they were planning to do some smaller stuff, probably likely to inside Xbox with State of Plays, but because they couldn't put together a very professional, clean show, they canceled them or didn't want to do them because... They didn't want to present themselves in the way that Xbox has been openly willing to do of, yo, this is Phil Spencer. I'm at my webcam in my house. How's it going? I guess they just don't want to present themselves in, in that manner. A lot of higher ups at Sony. Um, and because of this, a lot of those developers kind of got upset because they wanted their games to be shown. And they felt like, you know, we could just send in gameplay and this highly edited stuff and you can just package it together. But Sony didn't want it to come off as any less professional than what they felt their standards were, which is understandable. I don't fully agree with it necessarily. That wouldn't be my position to take, but you know, it is their stance. And I completely understand it from their perspective. They're a company that's very proud and doesn't want to tarnish their, their quality standards and their prestige. So I get it. And the second thing is she kind of inferred that Sony has been scrambling to readjust and it's led to confusion and poor communication regarding what their internal plans are in 2020 she made this comment stating uh, in, in inclusion of like, you often think that these big companies have everything uh, planned and aligned and they know exactly what they're doing. She said, from the people I know that are working at Sony, they're kind of shuffling papers around and trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, so with all that said, it seems the reason we haven't seen stuff is because amidst all this COVID stuff, it is hard to get a professional production together. And they've probably waited to where they could legally and openly have that happen right so i don't know what do you think about our comments i it all makes sense to me sony's position i get that from their stance as a company especially heading into next gen they're very tightened up with jim ryan at the helm whereas phil spencer's a lot more open and communicative and friendly um how did you feel about all these comments from milana pierce yeah it makes sense um, it, yeah it kind of explains the you know the perception of like they've been really quiet lately it's home behind the scenes like shit's kind of hard to deal with right now and yeah they're they weren't willing to to sacrifice you know production quality for uh for getting stuff you know presentations or announcements or whatever out i guess so i mean it makes a lot of sense um and maybe goes to the differences in you know american companies versus japanese companies like you've mentioned before too right um uh so yeah i, th I think it makes a lot of sense that i i ended up listening after you uh told me about it and she also mentioned something that was even more interesting i think well, and not, I guess it doesn't matter quite as much, but it was interesting nonetheless is that, that that Sony is kind of reluctant or against the idea of having personalities as, you know, or people oh, as yeah. figureheads. Yep. Yep. That was really interesting to me because um, it seems like generally people like, you know, Phil Spencer and they like Reggie and people seem to like that idea of having a person, a charismatic person, of course, you know, kind of being the spokesperson. Uh, for a company but the fact that sony's like 
doesn't want to do that is really interesting. Um, it's probably a cultural thing to some extent or whatever it is. Um, but I, I found that interesting too. And that there wasn't much reasoning given for it um, from her, but it, it makes sense because they kind of, they, it's not easy to find a Phil Spencer, of course, but like you could find someone to do something. I don't know. They, it, it, it vibes with how they've been lately, I guess. Well, yeah, and then it kind of goes towards their Herman Hulse could completely be that. Herman Hulse is likable, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then again, we don't know what Herman Hulse wants to do. Maybe he doesn't also want to do it. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, because it is a tough job, and you're obviously in the spotlight a lot more. I forgot about that part. Uh, it is very interesting, though, because we've seen them shift that way. Uh, uh, Sean uh, – dang, I'm forgetting his last name. Help Layton. me out. Sean Layden was kind of their public person outside of like Shuhei and even he wasn't as charismatic as Phil Spencer but he still was somebody to point out of like that's their figurehead and I think partially Jim Ryan has already felt the hate of the internet because of some of his rather ignorant comments in the gaming space so I don't know if maybe because he doesn't want to do it and here's the thing this is all conjecture don't know Jim Ryan but when Sean Layden left there was talks about how it was there were a strong arm for control right in sony uh that was kind of the reason why people thought that maybe sean Layden had left and i wonder if once again this is just completely assumption if jim ryan is in that position and he doesn't want to be the figurehead i wonder if he also doesn't want somebody who's not him to be the figurehead as well you know what i mean uh, it's like well i don't really want it but also i don't want somebody to take the limelight for the work that the team is doing in general kind of thing you know who knows? That was interesting yeah. though, and I should have I should have included that, but it completely makes sense. We've seen how they've gone. Where here's the thing, I want to ask you real quick, Dom. So they didn't want to have an unprofessional or lackluster kind of presentation, right? They also don't have figureheads. If you're editing a state of play, right? Because here's the thing with the inside Xbox, if you take away all of the webcam cutaways, all of that stuff was presented in a professional manner, all the gameplay and stuff, right? Why couldn't they have just put together state of plays? That leads me to believe that I wonder if these little announcement things that we heard that they were going to do, maybe they weren't just state of plays. Maybe there were something that was a little bit more involved of somebody on a green screen or something like that, you know? Right. That's kind of what I assume too, because uh, yeah, they wanted something more live or not live, but like in person, like you're implying. Um, yeah. I, I will probably never really know, but uh, I, it makes sense though. Like the surface level of like, oh, it's just how they wanted to do it. Cause they do, that was another good point that, that Alana had made was like, they do like the studio heads to be spokespeople for their studios and their games. Right. And you saw that after God of War came out, like Corey Barlog, right. was uh, all over the news and doing all sorts of different podcasts at every outlet and was just all over the place. Right talking just candidly talking but very um, specific podcast because she also went on to say that they they don't generally like them to go and do a lot of stuff whereas xbox you'll see a lot of their developers on like podcasts of our level like i'm not bashing us but like you know what i mean whereas right. Corey barlow was specifically on like oh the major video game podcast in the industry you know what i mean yeah that, and he had a handful. pr person there and everything and yeah yeah the handful of big ones but like the difference being too like well Sean Layden didn't do that. Jim Ryan didn't, but Phil Spencer is on podcasts all the time, right? He just interviews yeah. all the time, very candidly. Um, Sony doesn't do anything close to that with their like, you know, overall or overarching Sony or PlayStation uh, type leaders, right? Just the studio people. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm glad that she cl like clarified some of the stuff that we had been wondering. Like none of this is late breaking news. Like oh my god, it's kind of like that makes sense. Oh right. okay, I get that. You know what I mean? Interesting. Uh, the, the figurehead thing was really interesting too. I was like oh yeah, makes sense. Uh, that's pretty much it for the PS5 stuff. I think we're both in the assumption of like. Yeah, maybe it'll happen on June 3rd. The The argument against it that people were having was, do they want to wait until the uh, Last of Us Part II um, embargo is lifted, right? That's interesting because I don't know if they'd want to do the PS5 stuff and then after that have the embargo for Last of Us or the, if they'd wait till after the embargo comes out and everybody sees the game's reviews and stuff. You know what I mean? And I believe that's... The game comes out on the 19th and it's a week before, so the 12th, right, is the embargo? I think the twelfth sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's already playing it. Well, I mean, not everybody. All of the larger viewers are playing it three weeks early, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know. It, all the rumors surrounding that stuff. Well, until PlayStation announces that goddamn event, I'm not gonna believe when it's happening at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last up, we have this Xbox Series X news and Famitsu rumors. So this came out of nowhere. Xbox kind of just woke up this morning and published an article about backwards compatibility. I don't know if you saw this, Dom. Mm. Uh, some interesting stuff here, some bullet points. So they dropped some new info regarding regarding how backward compatibility will work on the Series X. Uh, here are the bullet points, and we can go over what we think is most interesting. First up, thousands of games are already playable on the Xbox Series X thanks to 100,000 hours of playtesting. They said by the time the console comes out, that number will double. Uh, so thousands of games already playable, which means they'll be available day one, which is dope. Uh, next up, backwards compatible games run natively on the hardware, not through an emulator. So that's different than Xbox One, because Xbox One is through an emulator. Uh, and it means that they'll run with the full power of the CPU, GPU, and SSD. No boost mode, down clocking, which was a shot directly at PlayStation 5. Because uh, mm -hmm. obviously we know they targeted boost mode and then there's going to be some down clocking happening. And there's another thing that happened with PlayStation I want to get into afterwards. Uh, can add HDR support to 360 and OG Xbox titles. Uh, backwards compatible titles will work with quick, quick resume, which you don't, if you don't remember is the feature where you can suspend multiple games and they'll keep at that save point and you can just jump in and out of games, which is really cool. And it'll also have significant reductions in load times. And lastly, select titles will get doubled frame rate. So 30 to 60 or 60 to 120, which is rather impressive. Uh, all of this is really cool. Once again, this is the type of news that, like, not jaw-dropping, but it's good clarification on it. The fact that we know for certain thousands of games are already playable is dope. If you remember at the PlayStation presentation, they said they're looking to have thousands of games backwards compatible on the, the hardware in general. So it wasn't at launch. So just to see there, the only reason that's possible, obviously, is because of the years that Xbox has put in. Out of all of this stuff, does anything catch your attention, Dom? Is anything surprising? For me, it's the natively as opposed to emulator. I think that's really impressive um, and just shows how much experience they've learned from the years doing it on Xbox One. Yeah, and uh, I think that the coolest thing, I mean, the fact that they can add HDR to existing titles, double the frame rate to existing titles um, without changing those games right they're not messing no code with, or anything yeah right they're not going back as you know they're not requiring the developers to go back and make changes they're doing that from a platform which is i don't even understand how that's possible right um compared People a lot to smarter than us <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, to me it's like well they cracked the freaking 
code, right? Like they figured out how to do what shouldn't really work. Whereas you look at what PlayStation did with PS4 Pro boost mode, right? Which didn't really do that. It just made up. So say you have Bloodborne, right? Which at some points it's supposed to always run at 30 frames per second, but sometimes it dropped a couple, right? Whereas boost mode on the better hardware would just make sure it like stays more consistently at 30, right? Just kind of like make up for deficiencies in the hardware. That was cool, but that was like a small thing compared to what, what Series X is, is supposed to do here, which is like, how do you go back and double the frame rate? It, because, as, and I especially think about games where frame rate is integral to the design, right? And so the example that comes to me was Dark Souls 2, when that released on um, PC, um, you could un, you could undo the frame rate or uncap it, right? But like the the damage that was done was calculated by frames. So when you got hit or hit someone and your frame rate was twice as fast than the game intended as it was designed on consoles, it was, you were doing double the damage, right? Even though it was the same exact thing. <laughs> so like the <laughs> they had to patch that and fix that later. The developer did, of course. So like how on like and, and I guess that goes to show like all those hours of play testing that you mentioned is how Microsoft can account for that kind of stuff, right? So maybe in a and that might be a more rare example of something for Dark Souls 2, but you know, an example like that, maybe they can't do that. And you can only know that through testing and stuff like that because you're not the developer and you're not changing the game. So like, this is just cool as hell that they're able to do all this and really smart the way they, because the headlines have been like, thousands of games are, be, are playable at launch. And then you keep reading, not only are thousands of games already playable, but like they're better in just about every way. So that's really, it's impressive and really good messaging too and i think people are getting hung up on the thought of like well this doesn't mean anything unless they got the exclusive games this isn't going to sell consoles yes but here's the thing if you nail the game side of things and then on top of that you have all these bullet points of features and stuff that people are gonna love that will weigh people in one direction over the other because how we've talked about a lot of times these consoles are pretty much the same box with different games you can play on each of them right it comes down to the features and the legacy and all this other stuff. And it's true. This isn't going to sell Xbox series X on its own, but it is a nice drop in the bucket on their side. Once they hopefully back that up with the games and everything else. Right. And plus yeah. it's like, we're not considering the millions of Xbox gamers who are already going to buy the series X and don't need to be sold on getting the next one. It's just awesome that you have your whole library. Right. We talked about this. Xbox has the shortest legacy out of the big three and the least amount of like valuable IP. And yet they're treating their history way better than either of the other two by far. That, that's yeah, the crazy part. <laughs> it's interesting too. Cause I feel like we've seen it a lot in the past where like, yeah, like, you know, all these features are cool um, and impressive. Like how much do they really matter? Cause like, well, the new consoles for the new games, which is true, but if they message it in a way to make everyone think that it matters more than it does, then that's just as valuable, right? Um, I mean, like backwards compatibility in general, like to me, I, I could hardly care that much. I mean, once I'm, it's not, it's like a nice to have, right? But like, that's not like a anywhere close to like a deciding factor. But if they can like message this in a, in a way that like gets everyone on their side, then it can matter. Even if like the substance, you know, the even if no one used backwards compatibility, it doesn't matter because they message it in such a way like this is a cool feature that people at least say they like and say is important. And you know what I mean? So even if it isn't that important, it still does matter, you know? And on top of that, we're not thinking about the implications towards Game Pass or Games with Gold, right? Because 
with the next gen, you're going to be getting those Xbox 360, Xbox One games uh, through Game Pass or Xbox Live Gold. And they can also tout through marketing. Not only are you getting guys getting these games for free, they're going to play the best they ever have, right? Right. I mean, um, think about like how long we spent. We actually didn't spend that long, but like all the media outlets and like industry in general seem to spend so much time talking about the differences in the SSDs between the two consoles, right? And like, oh, well, one it does this and then you have to transfer it and yada, yada and all these like really minute details about how they work. And it's like, that's a tiny, tiny little details that don't really freaking matter that much, right? But the perception is like, well, you know, at the time that was the big headline was like, well, Xbox's hard drives are gonna be, you know, additional SSDs are available and cheaper. You know what I mean? Even if it doesn't matter a year from now or whatever, like it matters in the moment. Like it gets people, you know, from a marketing perspective, it gets people swayed one way or the other. And it all, yeah, it all depends on how you deliver the message. Cause like right, right now we know that the SSD for the PS5, uh, it's not like it's under change, but like, we know that it's faster than the Xbox one, right? That's the one thing it can tout over the Xbox is it's SSD is almost twice, if not more, right? I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's yeah, extremely fast in comparison. Here's the thing is people are like, well, what does that mean for the cooling of the PS5, right? Am I going to have really slow loading times, but my PS5 is going to sound like a jet engine? You know what I mean? We don't mm -hmm. know that stuff. And one thing that shot Xbox in the foot at the launch of the Xbox One and PS4 was the jabs and jokes that PlayStation could lobby at Xbox, right? The game sharing and all that stuff. One thing I want to post real quick and talk about, did you see this update that happened to the PS5 product page, uh, Dom? on their official website. No. So beforehand, right, I'm going to read this to you. It stated under stunning games, marvel at incredible graphics and experience new PS5 features, play a back catalog of supported PS4 games with system update, right? They recently updated that, and that second part talking about play a back catalog of supported PS4 games with system update is no longer on the website. So people are speculating that the PS4 back compat might not be ready for launch. Hmm. Because remember, we heard at Cerny's talk is that they're working on it, right? They're currently working on it, and their plan is to have thousands of games. And we've talked about it. It's not an easy thing. Xbox is going on five years of knowing how to do this, so it's no surprise that they're going to have this off and running. This is the problem with coming to this late and not really treating it as something important because Jim Ryan even came out and said, why would people want to play old video games, remember? Uh, is that they're going to have issues. And amongst all the stuff that's currently happening on top of launching a new console, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens and they're not able to hit launch. I just thought it was interesting that they removed it from the site. Um, and it, this happened uh, th the same time that we got the Xbox stuff too. Very odd. Very odd timing with everything. But to my point what I was talking about is this is one of those jabs that uh, Xbox can make, right? Of the moment they find out that PlayStation 5 is going to have backwards compatibility at launch, if that is the case, there's an easy jab and marketing tool, right? So, we'll see what happens there. A lot of interesting stuff. I just want the complete picture on both of these consoles at this point. Um, obviously, we know way more about the Series X at this point. I I'm still baffled that we don't know what the PS5 looks like. Uh, it's so odd. Because we've, we've known about the Xbox Series X since before Christmas of last year. Think about that, Dom. We don't know what the console looks like since before Christmas of 2019, right. which feels like 10 years ago. At this so, so that's a good point because maybe I'm wrong about this, but like the PS4, we didn't see what that box looked like until June, the year it came out, right? Uh, I'm, I thought they both had events like a couple of months before E3. 
Yeah, but like PS4 specifically showed the controller and they talked about like the architecture in like February or March. But then it wasn't until like months later that we actually saw the box and then saw some game reveals, which I'm 90% sure it was in like June. Yeah. And I might be off slightly, but I guess my point being that that's that was <laughs> this is kind of like really smart from Xbox because them showing their box earlier and at a big event too, um, it kind of like put pressure on sony all of a sudden because now everyone's like what's up guys like where's your stuff like why haven't we seen your stuff yet and like they're probably sitting around like one well there's a freaking pandemic and screwing up all our plans <laughs> but two, two it's like we're sticking we're to our schedule <laughs> yeah exactly they're like what do you mean late we're not late this is like normal we always do it this way and like but the context and the perception like which xbox created by going early right like they started like kind of created this environment where like everyone's like like come on sony like What's going on, guys? When it's like, I mean, we got time. You know, it's not like they're taking pre-orders tomorrow and we still haven't seen it, right? And we also have people less distracted in their day-to-day lives because of the quarantine and everything. So people are even thirstier for news, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is only, oh, man. It's, I do get the idea of going later because you have a shorter marketing cycle. I completely understand that. I'm intrigued of, like, if things go wrong for PlayStation, and I don't think they can go so bad to where the console doesn't sound anything. That's all I'm saying. But like, if it's they become an internet meme because of how the console looks, or something happens, right? I wonder if the shorter time that they have now will affect them in any way. Because we recently saw Xbox's first big hiccup, and I put that in quotes. I don't think it was a huge hiccup, but it was a hiccup for yeah. them. Their one negative was the no gameplay, right? Yeah. Uh, and they have enough time now to learn and change and fix everything because it happened now in May. With PlayStation, I don't know if they have enough time to pivot if that initial thing doesn't work their way, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it depends, it'll be interesting right? to see what happens. Think about, I mean, if Halo Infinite is like absolutely bonkers cool, dude, Xbox could have like been a part of a genocide in Africa and it wouldn't matter because Halo <laughs> Infinite would be that cool. Incredible yeah. exaggeration, of course, and I kind of feel bad that I said it like that. But, um, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't, their hiccup, like, Everyone was pissed in the moment, but like, come on, it's not gonna, that's not gonna matter. That's not gonna be what tanks them, right? Just yeah. like if Sony at some point here comes out and it's like, hey guys, Horizon Zero Dawn 2. And oh shit. You know what I mean? Like, very little up to that point will have matter. mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the issue, the, the worry is this is my only like true worry with PlayStation is that. We're going to get that event. We're going to see a bunch of really dope third-party and maybe second-party partnerships running on PS5, right? But then we're going to see Horizon Zero Two, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, no date. Spider-Man 2, no date. God Probably. of War 2, no date. Yeah. And, like, it's cool that you see teases for those games. But for me, it's like this immediate fall if I'm buying a console and I know Halo Infinite's coming out and it nails its announcement. It's like, well, I can wait for a PS5 because I saw a bunch of really cool trailers, but none of them are coming anytime soon, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still the mind that I don't think PlayStation is going to have a big exclusive at launch. Blue Points uh, Demon Souls will be cool. That's not going to sell consoles in the same way a Horizon Zero Dawn two would. Not even close. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I think you're right. I think like best like most likely case that uh, you know Horizon two is spring 2021, right? And maybe they can say that this summer, or they probably wouldn't wait. They probably just give the tease no date, and then later this year say next you know next spring and then it probably gets delayed even after that but it wouldn't matter at that point um (laughs) but what they probably will have is um 
Call of Duty, you know, DLC exclusive for one month on PS5 or something stupid or like that, right? To kind of take place of that, which it would be kind of unfortunate, but you know, that's probably what they're looking for. And then all the marketing deals with Activision and that kind of thing. And remember the, the they kind of cut their ties with Destiny, right? So we won't see like a Destiny 3 or anything because that's not even a partnership anymore. We, uh, me, you and Chris were talking about this in the chat and I'm more interested in what the third party marketing deal is outside of Call of Duty for PlayStation because we have Cyberpunk for Xbox, which is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. We have Assassin's Creed Valhalla for Xbox, which is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. Madden, which I know not everybody's into sports games. That's going to be one of the biggest games of the year and they always sell well when next gen comes out as well. I'm intrigued as to what PlayStation is partnering with because they have Call of Duty, which is a big gun, no pun intended. Who else do they partner with? Are they going to officially reveal WB Montreal's game and they have the marketing for that? Like, who knows, right? That's what I'm curious yeah. about. Could be that. Could be Fortnite because we know that Epic likes them apparently now. I don't know. Don't you think that might be a myth? Like, I don't think it might be the case that they do Fortnite, but if Fortnite is one of the big marketing pushes for PS5, I don't know if that'll move the needle with the general public. Obviously, younger demographic for sure. But I don't know if, like, you know what I mean? I don't know if people will be happy that they see Fortnite commercials for the PS5 or that persuades them if they're seeing Valhalla and uh, Halo. And as we talked about before, we know that Valhalla and Cyberpunk are obviously on every platform and you can play it anywhere. There's a lot of general consumers who see a commercial with the logo and they're like, oh, that's only on Xbox. You know what I mean? You'd be mm -hmm. surprised at the amount of people who just think that, which I understand. And that's a whole point. That's why those deals cost so much money is because people think like that and it works. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's just that association it creates. Yeah, I guess I don't – I know so little about Fortnite and like that crowd, right? It just that apparently it's enormous. And to me, I'm like, well, maybe if like they can say, well, Fortnite is Fortnite, but Fortnite on PlayStation 5 is something crazy different and better, right? Still, of course – Well, the best way to explain it is – Fortnite is Call of Duty for preteens, meaning it's extremely popular, and because of that, so many people hate it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the same way that people will see a PS5 commercial for Call of Duty and be like, I'd rather see a God of War commercial or something, it's going to be the same way for Fortnite of, like, the younger demographic who's into Fortnite is going to be like, oh, hell yeah, improvements for Fortnite on PS5. But there's going to be a large portion of people who are going to be like, "I that's not selling me on a PS5, you know what I mean? So, we'll see what happens. A lot of news coming in the coming weeks. We'll try to keep hold of all of it and talk about the most important stuff. But like we mentioned earlier with the uh, spread of information now, there's so much happening. There was a ton of news that happened this week that I couldn't include in this uh, as well, but it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, the last thing, I guess, I completely forgot there was a second part to this story. Uh, real quick. So did you see this thing about Famitsu, John? The, no. So this tech journalist at Famitsu, Zenji Nishikawa, he does the Famitsu articles for their magazine, right? And he said that this week, uh, this coming week on June 4th, his tech column will feature a revolution revolutionary news on a game maker everyone loves. Says it's as big as the exclusive oh. PS5 Wired article of 2019. Okay? So, during this live stream, somebody was like, yo, did you say it's Sega? He never said it's Sega, but he was like, oh, I said it was Sega. Yeah, it's Sega. So we know it's Sega related, okay? 
Here's the crazy thing. So this has sparked conversations about what it could be. Some assumptions believe it'll line up with the rumored PS5 event happening on June 3rd. So maybe something happening with Sega. They're showing off a game or whatever, right? Uh, because June 4th in Japan is June 3rd for us, right? Uh, others believe that this points to the numerous rumors surrounding a partnership between Sega and Microsoft. So I don't know if you followed this, but for about a year and a half now... There have been these rumblings about Microsoft and Sega, Dom. And I'm going to toss all of them at you. Some of them are way more believable. Some of them crazy. But I'm going to throw them at you and see what you think. One rumor. When I say one rumor, it's multiple people reporting this as a rumor. But it's like one section. I grouped him. You know what I mean? So the first one is that Sega is going to have a partnership with Microsoft for X amount of games to be exclusive. Kind of like the... Uh, the Capcom 5 or whatever it was for the Dreamcast. You know, so they're going to have a partnership of like, Sega's making four games that are going to be exclusive for Xbox Series X, right? Believable, understandable, cool. Another rumor is that Microsoft is partnering with them in terms of being a publishing partner. Okay, cool, whatever. The next one, Microsoft is acquiring Sega and it's their avenue in terms of building a base in Japan because they don't really have a face there. And a lot of this is because of the close partnership between the two. Uh, what's that MMO that came out on Xbox? Fantasy Star Online 2, right? Uh, they've been in a close working relationship. And I guess Microsoft, as a corporate business, has been eyeing a way to get into the Japanese marketplace in general. And they gaming. There's a lot of like information into this. I'm giving you the cliff notes. That's, that's another one that I think is believable if all the information provided holds true so that one and the four game publishing deal right exclusive one here's where we get crazy and these are the ones i absolutely don't believe but would be insane if they happened okay one the xbox series x will be marketed in japan as the xbox series the xbox series sega uh because uh, sega holds a lot more brand recognition in japan than xbox does right so it being sold in Japan, the way for them to get their foot in the door is to market it as a Sega machine. The second rumor, which I think is more believable than the one I just told you, but also batshit crazy, is that the Lockhart, the Xbox Series S, is actually the Xbox Series Sega. And because it's a smaller unit, right, it's more opt for the Japanese audience and it'll be an easier way for them to get into that marketplace as well. Like I said, really batshit crazy. I think that second one makes more sense than the first one. I I am of the belief that I think it is a thing with Microsoft and Sega, this report. I would lean towards the exclusivity partnership with four games. Um, but yeah, the, the purchasing them would be revolutionary and crazy. And... Here's the thing. We always talk. We always hear about like this counter news programming of the inside Xbox was happening. And what did PlayStation unveil? Was it the DualSense? I don't remember. The day the inside Xbox happened, didn't PlayStation reveal something? I think it was the DualSense. I could be wrong. But if PlayStation hosts an event on June 3rd and shows off all of these next-gen titles and all of this stuff, and then the same day it's announced that Microsoft purchases Sega... They take some of the limelight on that day and kind of brush out some of the PlayStation news, as crazy as it is. Because in that landscape, an American company purchasing somebody like Sega would be insane. Um, but, yeah, who knows? It's all fun to think about. I don't think it's that drastic. I, I would be most surprised about the console stuff because I think that's insane. 
but the purchasing would pr- be pretty crazy too. I don't know what you think about all this stuff, all this craziness. It's funny because um, like leading leading into like this conversation, one of the things I had thought about before when we were talking about backwards compatibility stuff is I know it's heavily rumored, but all that back compat stuff and all the testing for Series X, like all that has me like now doubting the existence of the the cheaper Xbox SKU. You know what I mean? The Series S, yeah. At all, just because like all that impressive stuff they were able to do for back compat on the Series X, it's like, is that just easily as possible on the lower skewed or did it take even more time i don't know it just that had me feeling that type of way um about that so then to to a few minutes later suggest that not only is it real but it's going to be called the sega uh, it couldn't sound more ridiculous to me right now you know um, but here's the thing though so the sega thing and the branding i think is ridiculous but there is a nugget in there that would make sense of if xbox wanted to get into the japanese marketplace maybe the series s isn't for the west Maybe it does exist, but it is for Japan and Asian territories, right? Because if you think about it, uh, if you have a smaller console, it may be less powerful, but it comes in at a cheaper price point, right? You will have people more interested in it because it takes up less space and it costs less money, right? That's an interesting angle of the Series S maybe not being wholly a Western product. Because like to your point, it's not going to be able to tout the same back and pat stuff as the Series X, right? It is an interesting idea. I don't believe it necessarily, but oh. it's a nice thought experiment. There uh, are Trump tweets that I believe more than that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> um, I, I guess out of all of those, what would you, if you had to put money on one of those being most likely, what would you put your money on? Uh, <laughs> um, a handful of games being paid exclusivity for Xbox. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the purchasing one is would be insane uh yeah not as that, insane I, as the xbox series sega but pretty insane yeah. i could still um, see that the microsoft buying sega i could i mean that seems to me like realistic as well too because they, they we they've earnestly been trying to yeah like you said get their foot in the door in japan and that would be a way to do it and microsoft buys companies a lot this would be a big one but i could see it People forget, we talk about this often, how big Microsoft is in comparison to Sony in general. Like They're Microsoft massive. is one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> like I mean? top 10 or top 20, right? Something uh, like that. Valuation, they were two behind Apple recently. Right. So, yeah, a lot of money there. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Here's the thing is this guy's going to get butchered alive on the internet if it ends up being some dupey feature on the PS5 or Xbox that's insignificant. Because the way they're hyping this... Yikes. That's uh, kind of what, what I what I vibe from it. Because, like, when certain people say, like, you're going to want to see this. This is big news. Like, when Jeff Keighley said it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably big news. It's probably pretty big. But even then, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. You know what I mean? People tend to think when they know something that it's, like, going to change the world. And, like, yeah. Maybe if Microsoft says, like, we have enormous news. It's going to blow your mind. I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. It's good. I believe you. You know? And here's the thing, he said it's a scoop, so I wonder if this is going to be like a leak situation where Microsoft wants to hold this for their July event, right? Of coming out and like, they show the Sega logo and everyone's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Uh, and I wonder if this will be him breaking that news early. Because there was some of the acquisitions we found out about before the E3 stage, right? Uh, when Microsoft announced acquisitions, okay. I think those that, are, so. This is making sense, how you yeah. describe that as, as a scoop. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. That's it for this week's show. Let's talk about what we've been playing. No surprise for me, more Animal Crossing. I finally repositioned my rocks, which if you're familiar with Animal Crossing is a huge deal and takes an annoying amount of effort to do, so I'm happy about that. 
working on the hybrid flowers still. Almost have all of them. I want to get those gold roses down. They're so beautiful. Uh, playing a bunch of Call of Duty Warzone with my friends. Taking me back to those COD 4 Modern Warfare days, Dom. Really enjoying it. Currently have like six wins in Warzone, which is dope. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I might have talked about it last week, but there's these bunkers you can get into now where they have like higher tier loot, right? Mm. And there's 13 of them, and there's one special one that has... Uh, there's a little room inside of it that has nukes and stuff that seem like they're teasing the rumored Call of Duty Cold War game. And people think that what might happen is that when Cold War comes out, a nuke's going to hit the map and change the landscape. Like, it'll be their excuse to change it, to update it for the new game, kind of like what Fortnite does. And there's this huge dam in the map. So people think that that might crash through and create some different waterways and add boats there maybe, which would be cool. Uh, because there's helicopters, there's trucks, there's quads, yada, yada, yada. But there's no, like, water traversal. So that'd be an interesting update. Can you swim? Uh, no, because there's no big bodies of water in the game. Like, oh. there's the outskirts, but you can't swim in that. But there's no, like, rivers or ponds or anything. You know what I mean? Um, so that would be an interesting addition. And with season five, the upcoming season, uh, you can select what operator you want to play as, which is kind of like your class in Overwatch, except it's just visually, right? There's no, like, perks or anything. And the newest character in the next season is going to be Soap McTavish, our boy mm. Soap McTavish. So that's going to be cool. Mm. Uh, just been playing a bunch of that. Uh, Chris kind of piqued my interest. He said he might play uh, Plague Tale Innocence, or is that the name of the game? Plague Tale Innocence, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm thinking of either hopping into that or uh, Hellblade. Uh, Wait, you haven't played Hellblade? No, I haven't played Hellblade. I can't recommend that enough, man. Okay, and I play with headphones. I know that's a big thing with that game, so don't yeah, worry about that. Uh, cause we're in this weird middle ground of last of us, uh, and two coming out. I kind of, we were talking about last week, how we might just watch a let's play instead of playing through it. And from what I'm hearing from people who are currently replaying through it, I think I might opt just to do a let's play. Cause a lot of people are talking about how that game doesn't hold up gameplay wise, uh, all that well, which to me who already has gripes with Naughty Duck's gameplay in general, I don't know if it'd do me well to just go and play through that again. Um, so oh, man. I love that gameplay. Over yeah anyways that's it for me anything you want to talk about literally just more battlefront 2 that's all that exists right now um and i'm thinking i was thinking in my head as you were talking like oh yeah i haven't played animal crossing in in weeks now remember like i kind of got sick of doing you know random monotonous stuff and like the goals the objectives started to get like larger right and it would take longer and longer to complete them which makes sense and i kind of like fell off like i don't want to do this stuff Yet here I am in Battlefront trying to get one stupid trophy and I'm playing like dozens and <laughs> dozens of Starfighter Assault, which trying to do a sp- very specific task that's really difficult. Um, it makes the rounds not that fun. You know, it's a terrible trophy. Yet here I am doing it. <laughs> and apparently I Everyone like has their vices, man. That's the cool yeah. thing about games is like <laughs> you can point at one thing and be like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. That's terrible. And then you go and kind of do literally the same thing in a different Yet, setting. Here I am. Uh, and I, I like it more than Animal Crossing, apparently, even though I couldn't tell you why. I just <laughs> We still need to make the Animal Crossing visit happen. I want you to check out my island. I know you don't really play it anymore, so it's not that important, but I still want to show off my island to show you what I've done because I talk about it every week. I forgot to tell the story. I ended up um, earlier on, I bought a bunch of turnips. And I was like, oh, everyone's like really into this turnip oh, stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and I spent like all my money on turnips, like 50 grand or whatever at the time. And um, then I, I kind of, I didn't touch the game for a while. And then a buddy of mine said, 
oh, my turnip price is like 400 something. I said, oh, perfect. I've been saving these turnips. And then I, I get, I go back into my house where I was storing them and they're all rotten. And I was like, yep, they rot? What the hell? And so I, I lost like so much money on those rotten turnips. <laughs> yeah, you buy them on Sunday and they rot by Sunday. And it's yeah. kind of the game's way of making the economy like okay so people don't just go ham. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, it's cool. I just, I messed it up. <laughs> yeah, it happens, man. The curses of Animal Crossing. Uh, anything else to note? That's it. Um, oh, yes, real quick. Same kind of thing. I'm in that holding pattern until Last of Us 2. Uh, me telling you that I finished Attack on Titan season one, really dope anime. I don't know if you ever heard of it or seen it or whatever, but yeah. heard uh, of it. That's it. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, my issue with it, the thing I'm worried about is it's one of those shows, kind of like what I've heard about Lost, is that it sets up a lot of mystery boxes in the first season, and shows either pay those off really well or they never do. And I'm of the opinion that the ones that never do kind of tarnish the show generally forever. So I'm worried that these mystery boxes aren't going to be answered, but we'll see. Um, yeah. Really cool mi mysteries, though. But they don't mean anything if they don't actually see payoff. Um, yeah. You Have you dove into HBO Max at all to give it a look around at all? No. No. Their library is really interesting. I'm thinking about doing the, the free month because um, they have a lot of stuff that – I mean, they have the entire run of Fresh Prince. And I haven't oh. seen Fresh Prince in a while, so I might oh. want to watch that. I didn't know that. that yeah. You have my attention now. Shit. Man, every time the clip of Will and his dad leaving Dog, him. Oh, I can't handle that. I can't handle that. That scene I can't handle breaks it. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And people say Will Smith isn't a good actor. What the hell are you thinking? Anyways. Who says uh, that? I'll smack them. <laughs> or just Anyways, you know, respect their bad opinion. Their bad opinion, yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace, Uncle Phil, man. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 191 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. We'll catch you guys next week. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Helps the show grow. On YouTube, search Controlled Interest. will pop up. Hit subscribe. The bell notification. If you click that, it'll let you know when we upload new videos. You can never trust the, up to the YouTube sub boxes. Hit the like button if you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, if you just want to help us grow in general. And uh, on Twitter, you can find us at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can find me individually at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. And you can follow Chris, who isn't with us this week, at Topher Noons. We'll catch you guys next week when, if rumors hold true, Dom, we're going to be talking about the PS5 next Thursday. Yeah, or at so. least the games on the PS5, I should say. Yeah. Let me hold up there a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if these rumors hold true, guys. Catch you guys then.